0: Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Friends Show. I am your host, Nicholas Larimer, and today I'm joined by Mr. Terence Corrigan. Terence, how are you doing?
1: I'm okay, Nicholas. Uh, We are in the midst of load shedding, so I'm in an uh, undisclosed and peculiar location.
0: Yes, me too. Um, In fact, uh, my inverter died while we were preparing for the show, and I luckily had my fiancée's inverter, because she is at the office today, so... Uh, there was a show today, only due to that good fortune. Um, we're also hoping to be joined later today by Saragon. Gon. Um, she's been held up uh, briefly, so hopefully she'll be able to join us in time. Um, but let us get on with the show of today. And I think the most interesting story we should start with today... I mean, actually, we've got three interesting stories. But the first most interesting story is some of the polling about Zuma's new political party, the... Party, of which Zuma still claims, I think, not to actually be a member of, even though he's campaigning for it um, in a very bizarre fashion. But anyway, so I have been pretty skeptical of how well the MK party would actually do. I was expecting them to get sort of no more than somewhere between three and five percent nationally when the election comes um, and to do quite well in KZN, but not really anywhere else. Well, Some of the first polling asking voters what they think of the MK party has come out. And uh, to my surprise, certainly, there's definitely they seem to be doing better than expected. (laughs) Now, um, before I read out the numbers, it's worth reminding everyone that uh, firstly, polls are a snapshot in time, uh, looking at the actual moment uh, that we're in at the moment. So they don't mean that this is going to definitely be the results in the election. Um, And also, there are Difficulties, I think, in sampling and, and, and doing uh, uh, ensuring you get good polling results. Most of the polls we've seen recently have had margins of errors of like 4% or 5% even, um, which means that the results could be 5% more or less in either direction, which is quite a lot, obviously, and that makes quite a big difference to the final result. But anyway, um, so... This poll, which was reported on by City Press, they didn't say who did the poll, they didn't say um, uh, many of the details about it. Um, However, they found that the ANC would get 39% of the vote, the DA 25, the EFF 8, and the MK party 9%. This is naturally. So that's about twice as good as I expected them to do. and then at the same time, our former uh, boss, uh, France Cronier at the Social Research Foundation, put out a poll of KwaZulu-Natal. And this one found that the ANC is set to take a heavy beating in the province um, with, their, uh, with their vote share going down to 25%, down from 54%, the IFP going up to 24%, the DA going up to um, 15%, Uh, The EFF going down to 5%, and the uh, MK party getting about a quarter of the vote in KZN, just behind the ANC, Um, possibly even pipping the ANC with the top spot. So, uh, France, uh, sorry, not France, (laughs) Terence, my question to you, um, do you buy this poll? Do you think the MK party on election day is probably going to get something like this amount? Uh, or do you think that this is probably a high water mark, or do you think that the polls might be a bit off here for some reason? I, I don't know. What's your analysis of this?
1: You know, I'm I'm reluctant to uh, uh, to discount or to accept per, uh, polling results. This does uh, seem to be. Lot, uh, higher than 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 what than what i would have expected, but i think that one can also construct a narrative in which it makes sense and i'll i uh, will i will give you i'll give you this uh first of all contrary to what a lot of uh media coverage has said um i think you know sometimes sometimes journalists are prone to you know uh uh believing their own narratives uh zuma i don't think what i don't think was an was an intrinsically unpopular person. I think certainly as an individual, he retained a lot of um, a lot of sympathy and a lot of uh, um, connection, if you like, to 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 his um, uh, to his supporters. Now that may have uh, dwindled over time, but uh, you know he was in large measure the guy who wrested rural KwaZulu away from the IFP for the ANC. Um, and I think that he certainly still has a, an, an element of that appeal. Um, there's been a lot of talk about how the ANC could be in retreat, and that you know amongst that constituency because they've 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 lost Zuma. And it seems to me that if if you are the kind of rural KwaZulu voter who was attracted to the IFP, you know on let's say cultural or ethnic grounds, you now you now have a real choice, and you know you also have a um, uh, have a choice of, of of getting that with a kind of connection to the party for which you have, uh, you voted for the last decade. So they're all, you know, those sort of things that, 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 um, uh, that come together. And also it's, it's possibly a way of registering um, dissatisfaction with the state of the country while still, um, I don't know, without, without, in a sense, defecting from, uh, uh, from your, from your, from your political home ground. So you know, it, it 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 doesn't it doesn't seem ridiculous to me. You know, if someone had said, "Well, the Freedom Front Plus is polling at ten percent," I would I would I wouldn't be able to make a to make an argument for that. But let's let's say I find this this plausible. Now, um, I'm also old you know old enough to remember uh, you know predictions or uh, expectations prior to 1994 that the Democratic Party might get as much as ten percent of the vote. I um, I also remember from that from that election uh, polling putting the IFP at one percent. They came up with ten. The uh, Democratic Party came up with one point seven. Um, I, I remember there you know, the, the, the were enormous hopes in what the UDM could do, in the, uh, particularly in the Eastern Cape, and what the um, uh, and what what Cope could do, partly um, uh, partly achieve, partly not. So, I think that, that that as to whether they can actually deliver this. Well, that, that is something that is going to be that there will only be revealed on, on, on voting day.
0: No, exactly. Um, and of course, all of this depends on, as, as you said before, you know, which side is able to get their voters out to the polls. Uh, you know, you might find that a particular party, let's say the MK party, for example, I don't know if this is actually the case might have less or more mo- motivated voters than some of the other parties. And so there are a lot of people who might vote for them who don't actually end up voting. Um, this is quite an interesting result though because you you sort of talk about the you know the the idea might be here that the the uh, the party of the the MK party might steal the lunch of the IFP, for example. That voters were leaving the ANC, going back to the IFP, and now that MKs popped up, they've uh, sort of stolen their thunder. But that's not entirely the story. This seems to show. This, this poll seems to show. It seems to show that the IFP is also um, set to grow significantly, right, from 16% to um, 24%, which is obviously quite a quite a jump. Um, and it really does look like it's the ANC who is. Uh, the main party losing here but not just the ANC the EFF as well and that's quite an interesting aspect of this because Malema and Zuma have been quite close in the last couple of years Um, they've mended their once broken relationship and it really seems like uh, also if you look at that national poll the EFF which has tended to poll somewhere between you know 18 and 10 percent in most of the other election polls when you include MK suddenly its support drops down to eight percent um, so, do you think that uh, Zuma and uh, Malema's uh, recent sort of warming of relations might end if they suddenly see themselves as competitors for the same voters?
1: Yeah, look, I think I think that relationship was always transactional, um, and I think you know you can go back to when uh, uh, to when they were firm allies in the in the anti Mbeki camp. Um, in fact, I rem- I seem to recall Malema actually once saying at a rally that Zuma's is going to find. That our votes are not cheap; they are very expensive. Um, and this is when he was head of the, uh, head of the ANC Youth League, and Zuma is going to have to give us this and give us that. Um, well, you know, he was he was uh, they they were, they were they were happy to turn on each other when it were, when it was convenient. Um, I think that you know, one thing that is, in a sense, quite admirable about uh, about Malema is that. Uh, he is um uh, he has a sort of laser focused uh, focus on his on on his own and his party's interests you know that's why um, if, if you recall when they went, when when um, uh, they went with a DA rather than um, uh, than the ANC and a Kurileni, he um, he was quite chummy with the uh, with the head of the ANC in that area and he put out a tweet saying you know something of the effect of uh, no, no no hard feelings and nothing personal my brother now, this is politics um and yeah you know I, I don't think there's any sense of
0: loyalty no no absolutely not um it's if this poll if these polls are correct they also i think show that the it really is that the anc is kind of dying from a thousand cuts here that they are have gone from being the strongest horse in the room to the weakest in that most of the votes seem to be shedding from them which is a phenomenon we haven't seen in in previous mm-hmm. elections um but let's for a moment assume that these two polls do in fact represent exactly what's going to happen on election day, which I think is very unlikely. But let's let's assume that the ANC uh, uh, gets 39% nationally, the EFF 8% and MK 9%. Um, and then let's assume that the, the KZN result is about the same. One is left with a question of will the ANC, MK and EFF be able to form an alliance? And if so, what would that look like uh, as a person who likes freedom, liberty and prosperity? That doesn't fill me with an enormous amount of warmth and happiness in my heart. Um, <laughs> what do you make of those potential coalitions?
1: Look, um, I, I think that 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 if such a coalition uh, uh, should be put together, uh, the adage that comes to mind is that you go bankrupt first slowly and then very quickly. And I think we'd be entering the very quickly phase. Um, you know that. That being said, I have my doubts as to whether they would be able to put together anything. Uh, certainly, anything durable, and perhaps not anything workable, because I think that. Um, first of all, as I say, I think I think these relationships would be extremely transactional. I think that you have three parties that 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 are all fundamentally based on the idea of, of dispensing patronage and that pool I think is becoming smaller and smaller. Uh, you know, I think that that has been a been key to the ANC's governance but you know when you had simply a better caliber of person you know as as presidents Mandela and Mbeki did and you had a and, and you had a growing economy because uh, you know uh, the 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 full extent of the pathologies uh, was yet in the future, and as I say, you did have better, you know, better leadership. Um, there was a lot more to, to 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 hand out. Those were the good times. Um, you know, as that is as that is shrivelled, you know, you started to have to make choices. You you're not, you're not in a position, you know, as Mbeki was to say, well, you know, if we if we do amalgamate provinces, don't worry, no one's going to lose their job. We'll give you a, a civil service position. Apparently, he said that to the ANC caucus once. Um, okay, well, you you can't do that now, and now you're having to bring in these various uh, these various patronage-based systems, and I think there'd be a hell of a, um, a hell of a fight for um, uh, for the caucus that remains. Um, so, yeah, look, I, 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 I suspect that 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 they would find putting it
0: together um, a Herculean task. So I'm sort of in two minds about this. I completely agree with you that um, as all three of them will be patronage parties, they will have a very similar um, view of politics and will compete for those same resources, just like you've said. But at the other, at, on the other hand, they are all pretty fairly ideologically aligned. In, in, in many senses, the EFF and the MK party are just factions within the ANC. Who have now sort of split off and gone their own way but they still live in the same universe of ideas they still have the same i'm, I'm sure many of them all have each other's whatsapp number so to speak um and they, there's a there's a sort of closeness and familiarity which both breeds contempt but also means that they are sort of they do all kind of understand each other they're all on the same page and uh, you, we, we had a meeting this morning where we discussed this. You pointed out that the coalition in Ekraleni and Jobo between the ANC and EFF has not been a very happy one. Uh, and I do agree with you that it hasn't been a very happy relationship. But it's still ongoing as we speak. Uh, and so one wonders whether mm. they will be forced to throw together a coalition simply because the alternative of pairing up with a party like the DA or even the IFP is just... Too damaging to their sort of ideological prospects, or even their patronage uh, divisions. Um, what do you make of that?
1: Look, my my sense is that I, I I think that 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 the approach they have towards the DA is is just loathing. Um, but strange things do happen in this world. Um, one is, one is never fully privy to everything that's going on behind the scenes. Um, I think that that they would probably find the IFP a much more a much more congenial uh, uh, the, the ANC certainly would find the IFP a much more congenial uh, partner. They've worked with them uh, moderately well in the past, and I think that there's a sense that the uh, that the IFP wants a carve out. You know, it wants its uh, its interests taken care of. It wants it, it's very geographically located. So you know, and there's no there's no sense of the IFP trying to chew up the ANC from inside I think that they are very concerned about that with with, with regard to the eff I think they just know Malema is just better at that than, than, than anyone else's I think they might find uh, they might find the MK crowd an easier sell um, but you know I think that that there are probably people in the ANC who realize that the, that that comes with 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 reputational issues you know having Spent the last what five years claiming that this was that that our problem is all about Zuma to say well you know okay we're working up with Zuma again, I, I think that 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 would um, that would have a particular have a, have a particular impact on let's say their uh, what remains of their middle class constituency and I'm, I'm, I mean yeah, including a lot of people in trade unions and uh, you know those for whom. This corruption issue is a big, you know, is a big thing. Um, and to aspire to something beyond a breadline existence.
0: I think so. Okay, let's move on to our next story, and this is about the manifesto launch of the EFF, which happened this weekend. Uh, they were in Moses Mabhida Stadium in KZN, uh, which they managed to fill, and of course, uh, Malema did speak there, saying that uh, the EFF and its party's manifesto would bring, quote, true freedom to black people. He then also went on to say that uh, the EFF is the only serious political formation that continues to grow election after election since the party's establishment, a point which I think is quite debatable if you uh, look at the last local government results, but uh, let's not get bogged down in that. He said that there could be no freedom without access to water, flushing toilets, quality and decolonized education, healthcare, jobs, electricity and land. Quote, we know, uh, we all know that nothing has changed since 1994. Thirty years ago, a majority of landowners in South Africa were white colonial settlers, and 30 years later, in 2024, the majority of landowners are still settlers and their biological descendants. He also said that the EFF would end load shedding, and we've had a little bit of a look at the EFF's manifesto, and as one would expect, it's filled with um, very state-centric ideas. Um, not a lot of realistic ideas quite frankly uh it's it's lots of kind of i don't know what to call it but um, magical communist economics in many cases where you just decree things will happen and then you get free money Um, the the eff says that it will establish state-owned housing and roads companies that will deal with social housing and roads infrastructure backlog in the short to medium term and this will create four million jobs Mm -hmm. Uh, The EFF will establish a state owned security company that will insource all security personnel working in government facilities, which will immediately create one point two sustainable one point two million sustainable and quality jobs without departing from existing government budget expenditure. I'm not sure quite how that works. Um, The EFF government uh, will ensure uh, that a minimum of 80 percent of all goods and services procured by the state at all levels and at all state companies are domestically produced. they will make sure that all minerals mined locally are beneficiated, processed within the country. Uh, there's also all sorts of other weird stuff in here, like number 23 in the jobs part of their manifesto where they say, quote, the EFF will introduce a three shift system morning, afternoon, and night to allow the economy to operate 24 hours, ensuring continuous productivity without overworking individual workers and creating millions of jobs. Uh, you know, no one's ever thought of that before, having three shifts a day. There's, there must be some reason why we haven't done it up till now. <sighs> Terence, um, what do you make of this manifesto? Uh, it, it is interesting to note that I think uh, it, it does start with the land part, and that's all expropriation without compensation. And, uh, of course, it's worth pointing out that the EFF will change the number of black landowners in the country to zero um, because the state will have custodianship of all land and no one will actually own any land. Um, but uh, what do you make of their manifesto and uh, its potential? I mean, this is very detailed, uh, much more so than many other parties have put out.
1: Uh, look, you know, you put you, um, uh, you, give, you give people a, um, a solid abstract, solid abstract ideological grounding, you know, that's, made, that's liberty contradictory. And this is, uh, uh, this is what you get when you design your, uh, uh, your, your, your future society. Um, The the point you make about, about three shifts, well, actually, that does happen in some industries. The point is, though, that there's no point in working three shifts unless you're producing three shifts worth of goods or services that you, that you can, um, uh, that, that you can sell. So there has to be some demand for it. Um, So you're going to create millions and millions of jobs by just having uh, you know that this, this, the, that that sort of thing is is lamentably ignorant. Now that you know they've been talking about you know establishing a company for this and a company for that and uh, uh, insourcing. Th- those are very attractive, um, uh, attractive guarantees to 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 people who live, uh, you know, uh, in in who are either dependent on on state services or in, in that sort of. Uh, 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 precarious. um but you know there's sort of a reason why you um uh why these things have been outsourced because' at some at at some level that's either more cost effective or it's politically expedient because somebody is getting a um uh you know is getting is, is, is taking a disproportionate cut you know i've i'm not married to 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 the idea of the private sector performing function x y z you know as i said i I lived in Taiwan. I travelled every day on the on, on, on the Taipei underground, and I'm you know quite happy to 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 accept what my taxes there were uh, were paying for. But that was efficient. You cannot simply will these things into um, uh, will these things into existence. Now you know another thing they've got there is that they're going to you know have special economic zones. And they'll be giving massive tax rates to companies that employ two thousand or more people. You have any idea that's the sort of white monopoly capital on steroids that produces that employs two thousand more pe- uh, two thousand or more people. Um, a small, a small, medium enterprise is something under five hundred. Five hundred is at the very top of what constitutes a medium enterprise. Uh, you know, this is in a sense it's um, uh, it's it's it's. It's manifesto is 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 a wonderful monopoly um, uh, 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 monopoly program.
0: Yes, now everyone will get their own unicorn and there'll be rainbows and sunshine and love for everyone. Uh, They've got uh, a minimum wage of six thousand Rand for all full time workers. But when they say that's the minimum minimum wage, they really mean it. in various sectors that wage would be much higher. They say that the minimum wage for mine workers should be 15,800 Rand um, for petrol attendants should be 8,200 Rand uh, for the full time waiters and waitresses should be uh, 5,700 Rand per month and guaranteed tips. And in a country with such high uh, unemployment, this would be disastrous. Uh, yes, and guaranteed tips. I don't know how one guarantees a tip. Um, this, this of course, would create even worse unemployment as many companies would have to cut staff to comply with such uh, such ideas. But just on that special economic zone point, I wanted to make um, a a point which is that it's very interesting. So I agree with you that the 2,000 jobs is just kind of, you know, puts puts that out of the league for almost everyone. But the basic idea of having certain areas of the country that have uh, where you desperately want economic development and job growth um, to uh, the EFF actually says that companies won't pay company tax in those special economic zones if they fulfill the criteria. Now, that to me does actually seem like a fundamentally good idea. And what's interesting is that it's an idea that I think uh, was copied from China originally by the DA. And and then a lot of other parties have taken it on. I can't remember which party it was. I think it was Rais Zanzi. Um, also had that in their manifesto, the special economic zones i think the d a still has it in their uh, manifesto but uh, i 'll just double check when they launch theirs next week um, and now the even the e f f is adopting it, which suggests to me that there might really be something in this idea of special economic zones. obviously the details need to be tweaked, but um do you think it 's a good idea, considering so many opposition parties seem to be adopting it
1: yeah no look i think i, I think that that's, a, that that's a no-brainer, be, uh that 's no brainer but it 's got to be it 's got to be something that actually makes uh makes it makes investments attractive yes china mauritius kenya there there's there's numbers of them all all over the world um it it's been toyed with in south Africa, but i remember that one of the one of the proposals this is going back about a decade was well we'll sort of make sure that there's good there's good infrastructure here it's like well you know you're so you're going to come and rush to rush to invest because you're promising things are going to be a little uh, you know going to be functional in a dysfunctional country no that that's not you know you need a four throughout the whole country and then particular incentives but what you know once again this uh i think this this kind of thinking does hark back to a sort of mistake that you know we can we can get the investment we need through targeted incentives incentives have a role to play but actually a functional a functional market uh, functional logistics systems the, they are what you know uh, um, establishes the initial interest and if you can provide something else that pulls people in or or pulls investors or entrepreneurs in well so much the better but yeah no it, 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 uh, you know a, a, a very a very decent idea but in itself i don't think i don't think it's enough
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, And as as mentioned in the comments, um, why do these necessarily have to be special economic zones? Maybe you should just um, uh, offer the same tax and regulatory incentives for the economy in general, and then you won't have to worry about which zones get what tax rates and all that kind of thing. Uh, Yeah, also, in many ways, the EFF's manifesto is very much a... uh, a kind of ANC manifesto on steroids, right? Everything is, um, locally produced. Everything is demographically represented. So, you know, for example, number 26 in the jobs section of the manifesto, the EFF government will pass a policy that a hundred percent of food procured by the state for school feeding schemes, hospitals, prisons is locally produced by emerging historically excluded farmers. And that a minimum of 50% is produced from women and the youth. Um, so you know all these kind of you can imagine that a regulatory state and the uh, uh, racial classifications that would have to go on in order to ensure this stuff and the shortages that would no doubt um, hit the poorest yeah, of the poor. It's, 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 it's just
1: it, it's ju- it's just not feasible not not to the kind of st- with the kind of state we have. You know, exactly. I mean, ju- and just 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 definitionally, he has a point. You know. Um, emerging farmers So you know, at what point does your historically excluded uh, farmer stop being emerging and become, you know, a farmer who has, you know, uh, uh, who is a black person? You know, is this exactly. after twenty years after thirty years, or, or are we only going to be procuring from people who, uh, you know, have been in business for five years? In which case, I guarantee you, a lot of those orders are not going to be fulfilled. Exactly. So, no, you know, you can you 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 can promise you can promise whatever you like. Um.
0: um just just as for promising whatever you like, I just want to, for the audience's consideration, provide two last uh, examples. One is that, and you can judge for yourself whether this is feasible or not, the EFF uh, government will ensure that a minimum, sorry, will guarantee that one degree and one job the EFF commits to absorb all unemployed graduates and place them into areas relevant to their qualifications, and also that the EFF government will ensure that each individual with a university degree or a diploma receives a minimum stipend of 5,000 Rand per month, whether employed or not. So yeah, I leave that to the audience to decide whether that's feasible. But anyway, um, let's move on very briefly to our last story for today. And that is the DA says that it has won in court its cater deployment records case. Um, the minutes of the Cater Deployment Committee meetings uh, that were chaired by Ramaphosa um, when he was vice president uh, of the ANC and the country have gone missing or were not released um, for a time. And so the DA demanded that these be made public knowledge because they are affected public uh, that the DA suspects they affected who was appointed to what positions in places such as ESCOM. And um, the story is, is uh, still breaking, so we're finding out more details about it. But they say that the court has ordered that those records be given to the public. Um, Terence, what do you make of the story?
1: My understanding is that the Constitutional Court said that the ANC's attempt to appeal, this is no prospect of succeeding. This is a matter of public, uh, public importance. They must turn over all these records, which includes minutes, CVs, WhatsApp messages, emails, it's basically the whole um uh, the whole string of things, so this I think could prove to be extremely embarrassing for President from opposer because remember this is the height of the state capture period where he was in charge of the deployment committee. Now, the Zondo commission made it very clear that uh, in a constitutional state this uh, this whole thing was counter constitutional and illegal uh something which the president uh, has uh, has argued against it seems the courts are leaning towards the Zondo position which I think is, is kind of a no-brainer. The interesting thing, was though, was that um, at the Zondo Commission, for, uh, or around the Zondo Commission, President Ramaphosa had denied that these records existed. He said that, no, there was a regrettable lapse of minute keeping, and oops. During the court case, they never they never made that denial. So in court, they seem to have accepted that these things do, in fact, exist, which means someone needs to go and sit in the, uh, sit in the naughty chair for telling big, fat porkies. Um, I think it might be a certain President Sonor opposer who, who gets to do that, which is an interesting uh, uh, you know, case in itself. But they have apparently five working days to turn these things over. Now, i not sure. I don't know. It would take me or... longer
0: than five days to get all the WhatsApp messages from 2014 that I have on my phone. But uh, <laughs> I don't well, know. No, maybe 13, manage to
1: do 2013, actually. But yeah, no, look, it's... it's, it's uh, but, you know, potentially this could... This could be uh, this could be what one might refer to as a Mursa scandal. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Okay, um, that is all the time we have for today. I hope that you found this show interesting, uh, and we shall be back tomorrow with the Daily Friend wrap. Cheers, everyone, and have a wonderful day.